Welcome to the Anecdotal Affairs from the Wonder Wound Nurse and Beyond. This podcast gives insight into the world of labor and delivery nursing. Join me as I share funny stories, explore spirituality, discuss health and wellness, provide updates on current events in the field of obstetrics, and shed light on the adversities faced by nurses, especially travel. Through a combination of roundtable discussion, interview, and solo shows, I aim to raise awareness, advocate for important causes, share my own personal experiences, inspire, build community, offer support, entertain, have fun, educate, and foster meaningful discussions. Welcome, friends. It's been a long, long, long time. Uh, it's been a long few weeks. I took some time off to regroup, uh, come about with my next steps, talk about my last steps, and um, basically make some collaborations with some people. So thank you for giving me that time and support and taking a couple of weeks off. Um, thank you to all my friends and family who have been overly supportive uh, on this venture and wanting to see me succeed. And thank you for all the love and support from the emails that I've gotten from fellow nurses and travelers uh, worldwide <laughs> that have actually reached out and wanting to collaborate, be guests. I, I appreciate it and got a lot of good things lined up. And also thank you to the uh, upcoming sponsorships, that uh, upcoming collaborations that I've made with um, some big names. And uh, that's more to be in the future. Uh, we'll see what happens. I just want to thank everyone for the support and talk a little bit about what I've been doing, um, where I came up with the decision, what I learned from my last assignment, uh, my takeaways, and this current assignment. Obviously, uh, I'm going to add a disclaimer from now on. Uh, anything that is said, I will not be using any uh, location, just a general demographic. Uh, just for the protection and the privacy of the company that I work for and the hospitals that I am working for, uh, other fellow nurses, residents, doctors, patients, etc. cetera. Uh, so I, again, I thank everybody for the time off. I, everybody knows I was in Wichita, Kansas, and I was um, pretty thrilled when I first went in. Halfway through, I guess, like every course of events, there was a climax and then your ending. Uh, my ending was that I very humbly bowed out and uh, decided not to stay. Uh, my reasonings were some personal and others uh, because of the things that I saw. Nothing bad. Like I said, nothing really major. I Nursing in itself is difficult. Treating Patience is difficult. Uh, standards of practices are difficult. Um, labor and delivery is a beast all in itself. Not every two women labor the same, and I think we all know that. And not every two women need have the same needs. What I focus and I have focused on in my 10 years of labor and delivery have been to uh, give everybody the individualized care that I can give to the utmost of what I can give. and. Uh, where I was, I, I really didn't see that. It was very general. Everybody was kind of the same. The treatment plans were all kind of the same. I don't feel like they were really geared toward the patient, more so geared toward 
the learning experience of residents. And um, as unfortunate as it sounds, and I understand that they have to learn, I feel that for on the student side, I love to learn different things. I want to see different things. And as a resident, again, I'm not the one signing that paper. Another disclaimer, I'm not the one signing any legal paper. I'm not the one that's going to do a deposition in court. So I, I, I will humbly bow back to anything or anybody that says, oh, should have done it this way or should have done it that way. That's not, I'm going to stay in my lane when it comes to that. But I will say that there is something to be said about diversity. And it's a word that we don't use often. We, we have diversity all over. And we don't use it often and enough, often enough. And there is something to be said with diversity and treating patients in individualized, looking at the actual patient and not the actual treatment plan. That's the soapbox that I will leave there. Um, the nurses, I can't say enough about some of them. Some of them, I have been some of the most rewarding experiences and some of the most precious and genuine hearts I have met in Wichita, Kansas, that actually that state has a part of a heart of me when it comes to the nurses and, and just sharing, um, experiences, laughter, um, everything in general of, you know, going out and having a good time. I've just had some of the greatest experience with some of the nurses, other nurses fall in line with, uh, the standards to which the hospital has, and that's okay also. They weren't bad people, just it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have been a love loss if I hadn't met them. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I, I have to say that the overall experience was positive. And it took, and not my takeaway, my learning experience was being able to obviously, everybody knows my faith, pray for the residents, pray for their education, learn how to tame my mouth and how to humble myself and stay in my lane. But at the same time, um, give all that I can give to my patients. Give that individualized care that somebody above me or somebody underneath me may not be able to give. That's the takeaway that I got from that experience. And I'll leave it there. Labor and delivery. I delivered about 80 babies in Wichita. I can't say enough. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the cornfields out there, but people just having babies right and left. Um, and it was a very rewarding experience to all the patients that I had. I, you, thank you for allowing me to be part of your birth experience. Uh, more to come, more to come. I'll leave it there. And as far as with my new venture, so uh, initially I was going to take a contract in Maryland. Unfortunately, and this is something that I wanted to discuss, I had a little mishap. And it's sometimes where you have to know that your gut is you, you, I call it my spidey sense is always on on it. It's always right. When I applied for the position, something told me mm, may not be for Maryland may not be for you. I had a friend who will remain nameless that said, "You know, there's a lot of crime in Baltimore." I said, "Ah, I'm gonna still do it." Taking heed that there may be crime, I was still going to do it because I thought maybe I'm being delivered there for an experience or from for, for something to take away or something to give back. And through the process, which is a pretty simple process. So anybody who's listening that's a traveler and those who are listening that are not travelers, it's a very simple process. You start off, you fill out your application, you get interviewed, you get your call back. Then the process starts with the credentialing. Super simple process. Credentialing calls you, hey, 
I need a copy of your ACLS, your BLS, your NRP, your stable, all of your certifications that you have. Need a copy of your driver's license. We'll fill out the I-9 forms. Bada bing, bada boom. Go get your drug test. Do you have a physical on file? Simple questions like that. I have part type A and part type B personality. My type A personality has all of those forms uploaded on my computer. So whenever a recruiter calls me and says, hey, do you have this document? I can just plop it into a, a Gmail email and let it be done. So the credentialing person calls me and she says, you know, hey, we have all of these things for you to do. I'm going to upload some testings that you have to have done. Oh, great. I have the certifications for them. Uh, well, I need an EKG certification. So before I did labor and delivery, did a lot of cardiac in my past before that. I mean, obviously, uh, it's kind of rusty. I don't use it every day. But, you know, when in doubt, always use Google. And um, I took the first EKG test and I failed. I got a 79 and the minimum score was 80. So now I'm like super bummed. And she said, oh, you get a second shot. Okay. So I took the second shot, not taking heed to the spidey sense in me that when I failed, said, oh, no, this is not a good sign. Took the second test. Got a 92. Great. Um, I'm going to sign you up for their drug screen. It's two minutes down the block. Fine. Go to the drug screen. For what it's worth, it's not illegal to say, had a few drinks the night before. So obviously I was a little dehydrated. I went and um, drank a bunch of water to make sure that I was okay. Went to my test. I, was, I think it was scheduled for like 10 in the morning. I get a call back. Good news. Uh, your uh, EKG test, everything is approved, but you failed your drug screen. Failed my drug screen. That's the one test I can pass. The spidey sense inside of me said something's wrong here, but I didn't listen. I'm going to reschedule for your test. They said that the urine was too diluted and they couldn't accept it. So I went on to explain that I had uh, had a couple drinks the night before and I felt dehydrated in the morning. Nevertheless, went to go take the second drug test. Uh, about maybe two days later, I get a phone call. Good news, you passed your drug screen. Well, I knew I would. But the facility has added a new test or a new certification uh, that needs to be done prior to your start date of 10 days. Okay, well, what is it? So I can, you know, I, I didn't know what it was at that point. So I was like, well, what is it? Um, and then they proceeded to tell me that they wanted me to get a national certification for, uh, for fetal monitoring. So people who are labor nurses know that, uh, the certification national certification called, uh, given by the NCC called the CEFM is not something that you could take in a 10 day time frame unless you are super confident and have nothing else to do, but study the textbook, um, review classes. They offer textbooks. They offer after-review classes, tutors. I mean, this is a national certification, and it's to be taken seriously. Anybody who walks in, you can't Google this test because it's proctored. So anybody who walks in and thinks that they can take this test, shame on you. Because, you know, fetal monitoring is something that we, that's uh, in part 90% of what we do is watch fetal monitoring. And it's not something that you should go into lightly. You shouldn't be going into a fetal monitoring half knowing what you're looking at, the, you know, this is to be taken very seriously. And then out of certification, you can get it 10 days. She said, well, you know, and I said, uh, so I explained 
to this credentialing individual that you can't just get the certification in 10 days. First of all, the NCC only looks at applications on the 1st and the 15th. Now we're the 19th, so they won't look at it until the 1st. And that's already when I'm supposed to be starting my next assignment. So the offer, the, the, the take back was, oh, well, we can push your start date. No, I'm still not doing it in two weeks. Oh, well, let me call and see if I can get information. Now, this is coming from a credentialing person, and I have to give grace where grace, I have to extend grace where grace is due. She didn't know, but she thought she did. But here she has a nurse in front of her that's telling her, this is not a certification you can get in 10 days. But she said, I'll let you know. Okay, sweetheart, inform yourself and let me know. I, at that point, I was like, you know what? I can't. I have to just detach myself from that. She went to go find out. She calls me back three days later. Oh, you were right. Um, but they're the, uh, So the offer is still on the table and they're willing to extend your start date. I said, I'm not willing to do that. I'm going to have to resend my offer. So now with 10 days, to the next, uh, to the next unemployment. I mean, and I call it an unemployment date very lightly because you're never really unemployed with travel nursing. You can always get into something else, even if sometimes you have to let your guard down and take an assignment that you really don't want, or that you know in an area or location that you really don't want, <clears throat> but the money's good. So, uh, reached out to my favorite recruiter, and I, hey, I need help. I was supposed to go to the assignment and it fell through. Reached out to my other favorite recruiter. Hey, I need help. Reached out to my third favorite recruiter. Hey, I need help. All three recruiters started working very diligently into finding me something. And at eight o'clock at night, I get a phone call from one that says, hey, I got something for you. It's in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, what is it? It's labor and delivery. You're using Epic. Um, every other weekend off and holidays, you have to work every other holiday, yada, yada, just kind of all the basics. Okay. Sign me up. Then I get the call for the interview the very next day, which now instead of that spidey sense telling me that things were going bad, the spidey sense is telling me things are looking up. I got a wonderful um, nurse manager on the phone and she talked me through everything. She said, well, based on your uh, resume, I really think that you would be a good fit. I just wanted to explain that this is not labor and delivery. Okay, so what is it? She said, this is a high-risk antepartum unit, but we take everything and anything, pregnant or not pregnant. We are combined with uh, women's services, so we do um, women's surgeries as well, and we also do anything you know from eight weeks and above when it comes to pregnancy. Uh, would this be something that you're willing to look at? And I'm like, okay, well, in the event that I need to be floated, because I didn't think that there was that big of a need, even though she told me it was a rather large unit. I said, well, if in the event that I need to be floated, where would I be floated to? And she said, oh, well, just the areas that you know, um, triage, labor and delivery. And I said, oh, okay, well, what about postpartum? She said, are you LDRP, labor, delivery, recovery, and postpartum? And I said, well, I'm LDR and the P is silent. So with that being said, she said, well, you probably won't have to take care of babies. For any labor and delivery nurse, and if babies are not your forte, it was kind of like the, the clouds opened up and you hear that ah! intro, outro music. Um, and I thought, great. And I will tell you that one of the biggest soapboxes that I had 
from Kansas was that I was only allowed, and I say that very directly, to labor. Didn't see the benefit of all of what I brought to the table. They just wanted me for my side dish. And I say that jokingly, but I also say that with some seriousness. I was not allowed to do triage. I was in the OR one time, twice. Once the day, first day I oriented and another day that one of my favorite charge nurses uh, put me in the OR to give me a little diversity because she saw that I was getting bored with just laboring patients every day. And when I say bored, it's not that I don't feel a part of a different patient experience every time. I just wanted to do more. I'm, I love triage. I love walking in. I love diagnosing. I love taking uh, squares and putting them into circle pegs. You know, I, I love that sort of thing. And I feel like they just wanted me there as a side dish. They just wanted me there for the heartbeat and the certifications I had and not for the fact that I'm a diverse labor nurse. So here I thought I was going to be able to take on something else and, you know, see a bunch of different things. And, you know, the, the wow factor that it was a very, one of the very high paying uh, assignments in the area and that it's also a very high paying holiday assignment because it's the three major holidays. So they've almost tripled this particular company, which will remain nameless, has tripled their um, holiday pays because they know that anybody who signs up between this time frame and this time frame will be hypothetically working all three holidays or away from home all three holidays. Amazing rates. I will just leave it there. So I took on the assignment. We're now weekend, week three in, and I will tell you, I, I am in awe. I am in awe of the nurses that I work with, all of which are super diverse, culturally diverse. And I love that. I love when I can work alongside of somebody who's Filipino, somebody who's Asian, someone who's Mexican, somebody who's a Caucasian and somebody who's African-American. I love that. I think that that makes for such a beautiful, blessed group and having given so much more to offer, not to mention International Meal Day will be really, really satisfying to my belly. And um, I will tell you that an antepartum unit is is kind of a princess assignment. You know, it's it's a different vibe. It's like a med surge slash uh, ICU with a little bit of triage. You're doing a lot more, obviously, identification. But, you know, it's back to the old school where you're looking up your patient. You're looking up your lab results for the day. Something that in labor and delivery you do it initially, but it's not something that we're doing throughout unless you have a secondary diagnosis. If I have a very sick mom with preeclampsia or with diabetes, then yeah, I'm looking at her labs if we're drawing them every few hours or taking blood sugars, doing you know um, uh, diagnosis interventions w- every few hours. Uh, so diagnostics is something that in the antepartum unit is always there. You're always having ultrasound. So I have to say this experience is. Uh, I, I ha- it's, it's good. It's got, it's good. And then the bad is just that I'm not laboring. And I, I pray though, you know, like I said, with 10 weeks, uh, yeah, 10 weeks left that I'm able to, uh, do some labor, get in some triage and that, you know, like I said, see me for my whole plate and not just my side dish, uh, more to come on that though. But really the takeaway that I will say there's residents at this hospital as well. I will tell you that in the antepartum unit, you don't see them much. 
it's pretty much like, um, you know, on the phone, uh, you see them in the morning, they come all around together in the morning, uh, treatment plans, you know, they may not be available because they're always available more to the labor and delivery staff, you know, with sections and, um, you know, deliveries that that's their focus and their main focus. They have an MFM residency program as well. And they're wonderful. Uh, you know, the, the doctors that I have come in contact with to date, I, it, there hasn't been any uh, issues when I give a recommendation for the next course of treatment or if I give, uh, you know, a situation background, the my assessment, my recommendation, when I give my recommendation, I really don't get pushback. It's always, let me talk with my team. And then all of a sudden the orders will go in the computer. I'm very happy to work back with Epic. Thank you, Epic. Uh, I was working with is another system over in Wichita, and I will say it's probably one of my least favorite systems, Meditech. Uh, Epic, I, I can't say anything about the developers of Epic. You have really taken the guesswork out of the guesswork. Uh, I love it. Even when it comes to point of care testings, you they put in nine, 999 point of care testings and you don't have to call for an order every time for a point of care testing because they've already put in an order for 999 and all you have to do is release them one at a time it's it's a fantastic program um and i'm learning a lot obviously i'm in town when the texas rangers uh won the world series for the first time so that was pretty exciting went to a watch party um and then this weekend, a big game, Dallas uh, Cowboys and the Eagles, another huge watch party at the Miller Lite Stadium. A lot, a lot of good things about Texas. The weather, somebody shut off the heat in Texas, so I'm a little under the weather. But I, I will say that it, it was probably the best decision I made. And boo to me, and I, but I give myself grace and I, give, I forgive myself to uh, not listening to my spidey sense. So in part, my takeaway for you is this. Listen to your spidey sense. If your gut is telling you something, listen to it. And if you don't know how to listen to it, start learning and asking God to listen, to what to listen to. What is it that you're supposed to be listening for? I will tell you, your spidey sense speaks up and sometimes we don't even know it's there. It's almost like a little lightning that goes, for me, it always happens the same way. It's a little lightning that goes across my stomach, just bloop, goes across my stomach. And I know that the next decision is either going to be right or wrong. I'll say, you know, I'm going to go 50-50 on this one. 50-50% of the time I give the wrong answer or the answer that I'm not supposed to be. I am just so blessed and I am so thankful to God that he gives me the grace and the mercy that even though I give the wrong answer initially that he gives, okay, take two, let's try this again. Okay, take three, let's try this again. Um, you can never make a bad decision in your career or in your life because it, your higher being, whether it be God or whatever your higher being is, is always gonna be there. But I will say that for career-wise, anybody who is thinking that uh, bedside nursing is the the end all tell all. It's really not. And I'm seeing that now there's a, a huge light that shines from the window when I open the, the, blade, uh, the, the blinds. And um, it's really that, that 
even though I may have thought that leaving the bedside was going to be an awful decision that was going to be my detriment to my career, almost like a, a, a dead to my career, it wasn't. There's a whole new world. I just have to get my footings and, and you know, take it at my own pace and give myself grace along the way. There may be good assignments and there may be bad assignments. I'm not going to say that Kansas was a completely bad assignment. Um, it was in a very, you know, rural area. There, there was a lot of ups and downs. My housing didn't go through. I, I had a, a little bit of issues with the housing, but I worked through all of them. And I can still say I will take another assignment. I didn't just run home at the site of danger. And I wanted to, you know, I, I, there's times that you get homesick. There's times that you get lonely, uh, finding things to do. I started coloring. I started coloring uh, when I felt stressed or anxious, and it really does help. I started journaling and writing, doing a lot of positive things for self, uh, self-love and self-growth, uh, giving back to myself. Uh, but I think I've always been doing that this time. It's just a little bit more focused and centered on just self being me by myself before I was doing it. I was still at home. The kids were still there. Now I'm doing it and I'm really alone. Um, a lot of positive things that can happen, just insights, aha moments, the works. A lot of people leave out of your life and a lot of people come into your life. It's, it's really this world is crazy. And sometimes it is stopping and smelling the roses and listening to your spiting sense. So with that being said, I'm just so, so, so grateful to all of the people that have reached out in these last couple of weeks, wondering when I was going to put out the next podcast, asking questions, um, giving me ideas for topics, a lot of ideas for topics to come. And I, I, I actually am, uh, going to be taping again in a few days and soon more to come on that one we won't let the cat out of the bag just yet um definitely want to get more into ideas and uh procedures and and things that we can do on our end and um diagnosis and and what to look for everybody's ideas are wonderful and we will get to them one-on-one and one by one a lot of good things to come so I thank you. I look forward to the next time that we can sit together. I hope that you like our little sidebar talk and I hope that you like just the encouragement that I can give that even though you you don't have a great day every day, there is shades opening and sunlight coming in for the next. So until next time, see you later.